0: Good evening, everyone. How are we going tonight? Excellent. Uh, Tonight we're continuing our series uh, from the Gospel of Mark, so I encourage you to keep your Bibles open to Mark chapter 5. But to start with, I just want to sort of throw out a question. Uh, Are you an optimist or a pessimist? Are you an optimist in that when stuff, you know, challenges happen in life, uh, you look at them and think that it's going to turn out all right? uh, Or are you a pessimist who, when the same sort of stuff takes place, you think it's all just going to go pear-shaped? Optimist, hands up people. Pessimists, hands up people? Okay. Optimists, why are you optimists? That that's not rhetorical. You can't answer it. Okay, okay. You are an optimist. <laughs> I'm an optimist because even though he doesn't need to God has proven time and time again that I can trust him that he has got it all. Yep. Cool? Cool. Other optimists? I prefer to look at the glass Okay, cool. Pessimist people? Why do you think you're a pessimist? Probably from uh, a lot of life experience. Yep. Came through, yes. Just hang on a second. (laughs) That's not the question, okay? Do you want to swap? (laughs) I'd have to say I probably fall into the I'm a bit of a pessimist sort of column. Um, In case you haven't worked out, I'm a bit of a task-oriented type of person. Um, And I'm always... No, surprise, yes. I always expect that stuff's going to go wrong and stop me from being able to tick things off my list. And if things have been going smoothly, I don't look at it optimistically. It's like, it's only a matter of time. Just wait. Something's around the corner, it's going to go pear-shaped and mess everything up. So I would have to fall into the pessimist category. When I was sort of reflecting on, are you an optimist or are you a pessimist, I'd... I suppose I sort of concluded that I think the central question that it comes down to is do you respond to things with hope now, whether you are an optimist or a pessimist, and there might be times when you may be one but you sort of you know drop into the other column whether you 're an optimist or a pessimist, I think though that there are times in our lives when we are in situations that regardless of whether we're an optimist or whether we're a pessimist, regardless of how we respond, you know, whether we respond to things with hope, the situations that we find ourselves in are utterly hopeless. Uh, There was a... Well, this was a number of years ago now, um, and I know that I've sort of probably shared part of this story with you anyway, that um, Rachel and I had moved back from Kingaroy to um, Brisbane to come to Bible College, which we're trying to sell our house in Kingaroy, which we eventually end up in doing, uh, but we were living at Rachel's parents' place because we couldn't yet afford a house here because we were, didn't have any jobs and that sort of stuff. We thought we were going to be there for about a month. Um, after a month, we're still there. Uh, Rachel still couldn't find any work. I'd found a little bit of work, but it was only a couple of days a week around studying, and it wasn't enough to sort of support us completely. Um, one month turned into two, turned into four, turned into six. There, there were countless times where it went through my head that we were going to be living in this shed for the rest of our lives. It felt like a massively hopeless situation. Um, you may find yourself in, in situations like that at the moment. It might be that uh, you're studying and it doesn't matter how hard you try, just these assignments just seriously do not make sense. Uh, or you finish one assignment and then there's another two that you need to get done and you just feel like you cannot get it done on time. It's a hopeless situation. Uh, maybe you find yourself in a hopeless situation where you just cannot financially make ends meet, where it doesn't matter how hard you try, how thrifty you are. It seems like every time you open the letterbox, there's another bill. How are you going to be able to pay for it? Maybe it's health issues whereby you're just sick and you just can't seem to get over whatever's going on. Maybe it's family and you know, relationships uh, with friends that it doesn't matter how hard you try to try and fix a situation. That things just get worse and just seems hopeless. Tonight we've heard, and we're going to look through a passage where there are two people who find themselves in hopeless situations. Now, the first person that we find ourselves uh, is just she's just introduced as a woman. There's no name. There's nothing. It says in verse twenty-five, there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for twelve years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better but rather grew worse. Have a woman here in an impossible situation sick for 12 years and despite all her efforts spending all the money she had on doctors she didn't get any better she got worse. Now that sounds like an impossible situation just in itself but then there's more. In the Jewish culture This lady would have been considered unclean, according to Leviticus 15, which meant that she was an outcast in society. She could not partake in going to the temple and being part of religious life. Uh, If anyone touched her, they were unclean. Uh, If she touched stuff, that became unclean. So essentially, she was just an outcast. Imagine the worst case of cooties ever. This lady had it, and she had it for 12 years. She was an outcast. She is in an impossible situation. And in this hopeless place that she finds herself, she hears about this guy called Jesus. It says in verse 27, She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she, thought, for she said, If I touch even his garments, I will be made well. So this lady in a hopeless place, hears about this Jesus guy and thinks, I know, if I just sneak up and just touch his garment, the thought was, and maybe this is part of her thinking, that people who were uh, prominent people or like heroes, I suppose, um, I read that Alexander the Great was sort of like this, where people would come and mob him and touch him because if they touched his garments, then some of his power and you know, some of his blessing would transfer from him to the people who touched him. So this may have been what the lady was thinking of, but then she may have just heard that this Jesus guy could heal people. But she knew her social standing in society that there was no way that she could just go straight up to Jesus and say, you know, I'm in this situation, can you please heal me? So instead, she decides to try and sneak up behind Jesus and just thinking, look, if I just duck in and touch his garment, I'll be healed, I'll duck out. No one needs to know about this. We'll just keep it all on the down low. The result... Verse twenty nine, and immediately the flow of blood dried up. She felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Can you imagine for a second being this woman, being an outcast from society for twelve years, being poor and having nothing left, getting worse rather than getting better, sneaking up and touching Jesus' garment, knowing that you've then been healed. How do you think she would have felt? I tried to, like, I don't think we can fully understand how much this changed her life. She was able to be part of society again. I tried to sort of picture it, I suppose, you know, beware sporting analogy. It's like, you you know, your team's just been smashed all game and then right at the end, the last dying seconds, they somehow managed to win and there's just massive elation multiplied by like a quadrillion. That's probably what this woman felt. I'm surmising, I don't know, but I can imagine that for 12 years she's done everything and she's an outcast and now she's healed. But that's not the end of it. We then read from verse 30, it says, And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. Now, early we heard that you know crowds would come and swarm Jesus. The the picture that I have is here's Jesus walking through a mosh pit, essentially minus the loud music. So there would be people everywhere, just like you know I'm with the disciples. Come on, Jesus! Everybody's touching you. Like, what sort of a stupid question is this? But that then got me thinking. Hang on, this is Jesus. Surely he knew who touched him. Rachel and I do this at home with our kids, and if you're a parent, you may do the same. You ask a question knowing what the answer is. You go to the cupboard. Okay, kids, who's taken the yummy biscuits that I was going to eat? You know who it is. All you need to do is just lock eyes with the culprit and then they give themselves up. Yes? Kids, you're probably guilty of it too, yes? No, of course not, no. Now... In our family, normally Asher then gets blamed because he can't defend himself. But things are a bit different here. It says in verse 33 But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. The woman thought that she could just come in, touch Jesus' garments, sneak away, all would be good. But Jesus is not someone who just wants to dispense miracles. Jesus wants encounters with people. Jesus wants people to journey with him. It's about the discipleship part. Now, I don't think that Jesus actually benefited anything from the lady sharing her story. But I reckon that there was massive benefit for her and for the people around her in the crowd to hear this massive story of faith, the struggle that she'd had, because it says here that she told the whole truth. For 12 years, she'd been an outcast, and now... Jesus You know, she'd been healed through touching Jesus. Now it says that she came forward in fear and trembling. Please don't misread that. This is not like a fear of I'm scared because I've done the wrong thing. This is a fear of massive awe to think she was in front of God here, and God had healed her. And Jesus responds in verse thirty four said he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. And be healed of your disease. She was healed through God's gracious response to her faith. She was accepted back into the community. You can see that through the use of the word daughter. It was almost like a, you know, come back into her family. Uh, it's hard, though, not to see the similarities between the woman and us. Uh, She was an outcast from society. There's nothing that she could do to fix her hopeless situation. We have all sinned, and all of us have fallen short of God's glory, and all of us have broken our relationship with God, and there's nothing that we can do about that. However, just like with the woman who, in faith, goes to Jesus, we, in faith, can go to Jesus, and we can be spiritually healed. Our sins can be forgiven through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Now, at the start of the message, I said that we're going to look at two people who are in hopeless situations. And the second person is a guy called Jairus. Now, we're introduced to him right at the start from verse 21. And it says, And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea, Then came out of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. Now this Jairus guy, there are some differences between him and the woman. Uh, Jairus was a respected member of, of society. By being a ruler of the synagogue, he was appointed by the elders to do a job and that job was to look after the synagogue, like the property and stuff, but also he was in charge of uh, um, organising like the public prayers that take place, the scripture readings, the preaching and things that went on. So he, you know, he was a respected member of society. He had access to God, if I can put it that way, because he was able to enter the temple because he was a guy, because he was clean, because, he, because of his position. Despite all of that though he too finds himself in a hopeless situation where we read that his daughter and in Luke it says it's his only daughter is essentially on death's door. Now he falls at Jesus' feet and said please come and lay your hands on my daughter. Um, Jesus agrees and on the way there things get much worse. So We've got then a massive crowd that then swarms Jesus and slows him down. I can only imagine Jairus like just trying to just push his way through to get Jesus to, to get to his house. Uh, and then Jesus stops and says, who's touching me? And then has this conversation with this woman. Now, we don't know how long the woman spoke for, but surely Jairus is beside himself saying, come on, Jesus, you've got to come and see my daughter. And then you hear tragic news. Then in verse 34, it says, While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? This is a hopeless situation. This guy's daughter has died. Then we read Jesus' response in verse 36. It says, but overhearing what they said... Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. Now it's here that we get a glimpse that the woman actually plays a key part in this story. Because what Jesus is saying to Jairus is, take note of what this woman did. Do not fear, only believe. This woman came in faith because she could see that I can be the one who can save. Take your eyes off the situation that you're finding yourself in right now and instead have faith like this lady and believe that I can do things. Believe that I am the saviour of the world. Believe that I can have got everything in control. You may be finding yourself tonight in an impossible situation. These words are true for you as well despite everything that's going on, Jesus is saying to you, do not fear, only believe. Now, I want to add in there though, I don't want to be the giver of false hope here. Yes, we read that this lady was miraculously healed. Yes, we read that Jairus' daughter was raised from the dead. I don't want to stand up here and say that the impossible situation you're in, that God's going to miraculously do what it is that you want him to do. But what I can say is that despite the situation you find yourself in, as hopeless as it is, I can tell you that God is in control, that you can have faith that he knows what's going on. Now, this may mean that it doesn't turn out the way that you want it to, Uh, despite people who have illnesses or find themselves in tough situations and despite the prayer that goes on, sometimes God answers no. God answers no because he's in control of what's going on and he knows what's best for us. And what he's asking for us to do is to put our faith completely in him, to not fear about the situation that we see, but to believe that he is God and he has everything in control. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you um, for this passage tonight. And we thank you for the way in which that you were able to miraculously heal both the lady and Jairus' daughter. And that through that we were able to see that you're a God that loves us. Uh, and that you're a God that's in control. But Lord, we know that there are times when we find ourselves in hopeless situations like these guys. And Lord, I pray that you will help us to have the same faith that the woman had, to have the faith in you knowing that you are in complete control, that we do not need to fear, that we only need to believe. And Lord, I pray that you will help us to be able to cling on to you in these tough times and help us to remember that you are in complete control and regardless of what happens, that we will continue to have our faith in you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, As the music team comes up, we're going to sing a song. Um, If you're someone who's in a hopeless situation right now uh, and you'd like some prayer, um, I'm going to sit down the front down here. I encourage you to come down. Um, There'll be a couple of us who can pray for you. Uh, But yeah, let's stand and sing. Mm -hmm.